You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless leg syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. TheraWorks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, TheraWorks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, TheraWorks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. TheraWorks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about TheraWorks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the Healthcare Professional link. Today, we live at a unique point in human history where data is becoming the new currency. Beyond oil, dollars, and social status, data is emerging as one of the most powerful and consequential currencies around the globe. Technology, computer processing, cloud storage, and artificial intelligence are empowering these data to transform zeros and ones into insightful and even profound realizations about almost every aspect of our lives. I'm John Nosta. And this is FutureDose.Tech with your hosts, Dr. Timothy Ungst and Megan Chilcott. Technology, pharmacy, and better healthcare delivery by creating more efficient, higher quality concierge-like pharmacist services, we can transform from the pharmacist of yesterday into the future provider of pharmacy tomorrow. FutureDose.Tech is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the global leader in pharmacy podcasting and the largest, most influential network of podcasts about the profession and business of pharmacy. Hello, this is Dr. Timothy Youngs, founder of the Digital Apothecary, associate professor at MCPHS University, and host of the Future Dose, a podcast for the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So today, what I'd like to talk about is actually an interesting publication that came out from the American Medical Association, and it's called the Digital Health Implementation Playbook. And it's quite a fascinating read. So for those of in pharmacy, you know that we have multiple organizations representing us, and the AMA is probably the biggest organization for the medical profession. And I love digital health, and the AMA has taken a huge stance on this. And they have a lot of people involved. They have different working groups, and they have a different leadership team that's involved in it's quite really cool to see that they are leading the charge right now in the digital health space. They want to get their physicians involved with different entrepreneurs, different companies, just to talk about and see how can they even use digital health. And this playbook that came out this past month has been really just, I think it's going to be this one thing that's going to get the AMA ahead of everyone else now. And it gets a lot of skin in the game for them. And so what we're looking at here is what does this really mean? And I would like to talk to about two things during this podcast is one, what is a playbook and what is the summary of the contents inside? Along with that is also what's the implications for pharmacy and what can pharmacists be involved with as well? 
So on the first part is this playbook's actually split into four different areas. There's part one, part two, part three, and part four. Part one is kind of, if you're familiar with the digital health space, I would say it's not that big of a read. And rather what it focuses on is in terms of talking about what they're trying to do, defining digital health, and talking about remote patient monitoring as their kind of focal point for how to play out uh, using digital health in a clinic or an organization. And it makes sense because AMA has to focus on one area first to really see how this works. And, you know, they, they want to answer four key areas, and that is, does it work? Will I receive payment? Will I be liable? And will it work in my practice? So, I mean, those are key questions. And I think that really comes back to asking, you know, if for any kind of new business proposition you want to do, how do you go about it? And this playbook is really that. It's a kind of like a rollout and trying to figure out how do you make money from this and how would you integrate into your organization? So the part one's kind of brief, but the part two is, um, and part three are the key points. So part two is called Game Time, and it's kind of like a pregame thing. And what it works on is more or less six steps that you need. One is identifying a need. So within the organization, do you need some kind of new practice? Do you need some kind of way that technology can help out with something that's going on that you may not be really using a lot of effort in? And... I think the reason why AMA is really going for this remote uh, patient monitoring is because there's a lot of new um, CPT codes being changed here coming up because CMS is really looking at how can they redo remote patient monitoring and how can physicians bill for it. So in preparation for this, what you have is AMA trying to get ahead of the curve and saying to their physicians, look, we have all this technology. There's a new way we can make money off of it. So this is how you do it. So there's a need there, I think, coming up, and a lot of people are trying to figure out how to do it. The second step is forming a team, and that goes without saying that you need a lot of people involved. Who are your core members? What leadership involvement do you need? And do you need any advisors or people to help implement it? You know, consultants and such to come out to really say, this is where you're currently at and this is what you need to do. And along with as in defining success, what would be a successful project that you would launch, for instance? And that's the third part. And of the first part, I think the fourth step is really key, evaluating the vendor. And this is where AMA put some good resources in it, and there's a a lot of information in the appendix. I recommend for you guys, if you're really interested in stuff, it's worth a good read, because it goes over what you need to look for in a vendor. Um, What experience you're looking for, what kind of uh, scalability you're looking for, what's the best fit for your organization. So this is probably the best part of the playbook in this part two. The next one, uh, the next two steps are basically making a case for your organization and leadership about how to get on board and also contracting and rolling out a contract to get started. So overall, part two, uh, this pregame, really is about valuing the vendor, I would say, is a key thing to take away. But the other parts are really also important. I wouldn't gloss over, but I think it's like any kind of business management. It's really, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. So part three is game time. And this is actually after you've done all your front up work and figure out what do you want to do, how do you want to get there, and who's going to help you. It's now how do you roll it out. So the first part is this step is designing the workflow. I am a huge proponent of workflow management. I think that's the one thing that often gets glossed over. And if you've ever been through an epic rollout or a new pharmacy management system rollout, you've seen what can happen if your team and your workers are not ready for this. This can become the biggest pain for you overall. And it really drives down efficiency across the organization. So, you know, who's, how do you get the training done? Um, And in this case, remote patient monitoring, 
as kind of like the groundwork that they're trying to lay out as a case uh, sample. And what you have is, you know, what's, what are you going to do with all this data? How are you going to get patients trained on how to use, let's say, let's suppose a smart blood pressure cuff they use at home, how they sync up to their smartphone, how's that data that gets broadcast into an EHR, and at what point does even um, the clinician get involved? You know, what's technological troubleshooting that the vendor has to work on, say, instead of the patient? And or the nurse or the pharmacist. So the next thing is preparing the care team. So all the people involved with all this stuff, um, again, coming back to you're getting that data and using it, um, how to handle the calls coming in, perhaps, or urgent needs. Um, you need to get everyone on board. Then partnering with the patient. I mean, in the era of the e-patient movement, you need to have an engaged and enabled patient that has a certain amount of buy-in to this technology. They want to use it. And all too often, I see so many clinical trials coming out recently using digital health that really has not been very positive. And one of my biggest critiques has been the fact that they have not done a really good job in their methodology to get the patients to want to use the technology. I mean, it's all too often we throw tech at a patient, say, here it is, and this is going to improve your life, and not really go into detail why. And in this case, I think you, we really need strong patient partnership. We need a patient to really be engage in your level of care. And that's actually one thing that really strikes me in the playbook is they say to identify patients to enroll in these programs are likely to succeed. And that's the key thing is you can probably spot a patient that maybe won't do very well in these programs. Um, If they're not tech savvy or if they have very hard um, trouble handling these things, they probably should not be enrolled and you're not going to get your biggest bang for your buck for there. So, you know, if you're doing remote monitoring of hypertension, you probably want a patient that at least can handle the tools that you want them to use. Because if they're not collecting the data, it's going to be meaningless overall. Now, this is also going back to the first two parts, you know, preparing the team and workflow, like the training and getting someone involved in this may be a little bit of upfront work, but the payoff could be great. Because if we're talking about hypertension, take, for instance, just, you know, that's a disease that's lifelong. Um, can lead to so many uh, other issues coming up, and the management of that is really key um, for my primary and secondary prevention of, of certain um, diseases. So that's where I, that's my big takeaway there. Then the other parts are implementation of all these programs, evaluating your success, and scaling to make sure this thing gets even broader in the organization, so it doesn't end up in like a pilot graveyard, so to speak. So overall, I would say part two is, you know, when it's talking about the game time is really good when we're really talking about workflow, getting the care team involved and patient engagement. I think that's a really big takeaway. So that's what the playbook really covers is just these kind of 12 steps of how to roll out a program and get it functioning and going. I mean, it covers 66 pages in the um, AMA playbook. But it's really, if you read this document, it's very image heavy and figure heavy. It's not really text heavy. So probably where you get the most amount of materials, part four, which is called post game. And it's really the appendix that has all these how-to guides, different documents you can use. And I would refer to that if you're kind of new to all this and you're looking at like, what can you use? Like some of the samples are like doing an assessment of smart uh, to define your success or how to create a care team or how to create a leadership team and how to look for a vendor and to evaluate them. I think these are great tools that uh, AMA put together, and it's very easily, I think, borrowable by anyone else. So if you're listening to this and you've been thinking about implementing some kind of digital health service, even in your pharmacy organization, I would say read the AMA playbook just because this is stuff that you can pull out on your own and utilize. So, you know, th- I said this podcast when I covered two things, just doing a quick summary of the AMA playbook, and then also talking about pharmacy and where this comes into play.
Now, I have to admit, I'm really kind of envious of what the AMA is doing here because the AMA has put this together. They're, they're putting so much effort into this. I think it's going to pay off for them. And yet we look at pharmacy, we look at all our organizations, and I haven't seen any initiative by any organization that has really done anything significant in digital health space, whether it be ASHB, APHA, NACDS, etc. I mean, I feel like we need someone to step up here and get involved. I've done a number of public talks, and maybe you've been in my audience in the past, and I have for years been championing the fact that remote patient monitoring something pharmacists really tend to have a huge a huge point of helping out with patient care. And one of the things is is there's three studies, and actually four studies, you could argue at this point, that really stand out to me. One is a barbershop study. So if you saw this published in the New England Journal of Medicine, it was basically having patients go to a barbershop, meeting in a community to help get their blood pressure driven down. And in the media, that's what it was really hyped up to be. But the reality was it was pharmacists who collaborated practice that met patients in an environment that was suited for them and helping to prescribe medications for them and identifying when their blood pressure was not controlled. The other was a 24-hour blood pressure monitoring study conducted in Spain, and this showed that you know having remote monitoring and continuous monitoring of blood pressure was actually key to identify patients that were not well-controlled or who may have white um, coat hypertension or resistant or just not identified because having patients come in once a year seeing their blood pressure was really is not really a great way to see how well people are controlled with hypertension these days. With an era of digital health, we can do so much more. And that's really what's cool because we have all this technology now coming to the field that a supply continuous blood pressure monitoring. And this goes along with diabetes, even with continuous glucose monitoring. I mean, we have all this technology we never had in the past that we can now utilize. The third study I think that's really key is a pharmacist blood pressure study published in JAMA that had pharmacists doing basically teleconsults with collaborative practice that Basically, with patients in the ambulatory setting monitoring the blood pressure, the results would be pushed back. The pharmacist would talk to them, and if needed, then they would basically uh, initiate new therapy, um, add on additional um, stuff through collaborative practice with their physicians. And there was a follow-up study, and that actually study was published in 2018 in JAMA as well. And that's actually the the one thing that this AMA playbook really emphasized was the fact that this is an, this is something that we can have as a care team to roll out. And what really kind of bothered me about this AMA playbook is it never really returned back to it, talking about the role pharmacists can play as a clinical practitioner to help out with remote patient monitoring. And that, I think, is a missing link. And that's why I come back to our pharmacy organizations. We really should be tackling and getting on this and recognizing it for what it is in terms of collecting data, analyzing it. In supporting more care. So, I mean, what areas could we get into? I mean, hypertension is key. I think that's a big chronic disease that a lot of digital health companies are getting into. But I, I think there's others. So you have diabetes that we go into. You have pulmonary conditions such as asthma and COPD. We even could go into neuro and psych. And what are, what are some examples? I mean, like, suppose you get a patient that just had MI and starts a beta blocker, for instance. You know, we're key, we're monitoring heart rate, but, you know, if someone has a wearable device and almost all these things now monitor heart rate, um, why why can't we use that data to export it and see, oh, well, you know, you may be at risk for bradycardia here or you're not actually, you're not actually uh, maximizing therapy. Suppose a person with heart failure, we know that we want target dosing of medications there. You know, if we're having a person on Coreg, um, metoprolol, succinate, 
you know, they get the best benefit when they are on higher target doses. So if we can analyze them and say, well, you have some room here to go up on your dose, then let's do it. And I think that's where we have this stuff. Even for hypertension, if they're not doing well, then let's come back and say, well, this means that we need escalate therapy. So coming back to remote patient monitoring, this is something that I think pharmacy, either through collaborative practice or maybe just standalone at some point with guided therapy management, I think we have a huge way of using wearables to help out with patient medication safety and also for efficacy and making sure that they're meeting their clinical goals at the end of the day. Uh, diabetes, CGM, for instance, and also new smart uh, diabetic uh, tools coming out, such as smart insulin pens. I mean, after all, our older populations, one of their number one reasons for admissions to the ER is basically due to hypoglycemia due to insulin. So if we can track people's insulin dosing, if we can see that they're becoming hypoglycemic, we can step in and help them with this stuff. Along with that would be COPD. You have these smart sensors that are coming to market, whether it be propeller or adherium. And if you can start seeing that a patient is using their SABA more frequently, how, why can't we intervene there? And for years, pharmacists basically, even if we could see a state, we can bill for it. But with the changing codes for physicians coming about for remote patient monitoring, there has been talk about also having pharmacists ability to bill for this. So if that does happen, I would argue that remote patient monitoring is, again, an area that pharmacists should be getting into. And just like the AMA has this playbook in action for their physicians to explore um, remote patient monitoring as in their clinics and such to basically make more money because these services can be scaled up higher, then pharmacists should as well be interested in pursuing this as well. And I think even in the AMA playbook, they allude to the fact that, you know, the care team is nebulous, so who's on that? And maybe that's something that pharmacists should actually explore too, these collaborative practices with um, clinician groups to be a member there that can do it. I mean, it could also expand to even medication adherence possibly. So if they have a smart device that's monitoring how much they're taking medication home, maybe it's a smart pill bottle, smart pill box, um, and if you haven't been to my website, please visit because you'll see I actually keep track of all the digital health companies that are in the medication adherence space. And there's over 60 out there that I've tracked. And if you're really curious, go there and visit. Um, but in any event, so these are things to consider. Um, I'm also going to have my webpage listed below that's about the AMA playbook. So you can read there for a more detailed summary along with some images and some diagrams about where pharmacists can come into play. So that basically wraps up this podcast, and I hope you got something out of it in terms of what we should be really considering the pharmacy profession for remote patient monitoring, but also the fact that organizations need to step up and really ourselves get a playbook or an action plan about how are we going to uh, utilize digital health and what we can take advantage for as new codings and new billing claims can come out for us as a profession, and really how do we stake out more. As you know, pharma is saying, think beyond the pill. I'm constantly thinking about for pharmacy, how do we think beyond the fill? How can we expand this stuff? And I think digital health is probably the key area for us here. So thank you. This is Timothy Youngs, um, founder of the Digital Apothecary and member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So take care and have a good day. Thank you for listening to FutureDose.Tech. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast on your favorite social media outlets. Be sure to stay connected to the Pharmacy Podcast Network and return for your next FutureDose.Tech episode coming soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.